It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com What's up, Kings fans? If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcast, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor, it's totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All the frustration and disappointment of the past is gone. The 45-year drought is over. The Los Angeles Kings are indeed the kings of the National Hockey League. They are the 2012 Stanley Cup champions. Cleared away by the Kings, picked up by Martinez. Martinez to Clifford, feeds it right side to Foley with a shot, save, rebound, score! Alec Martinez has won the Stanley Cup for the Los Angeles Kings! And royalty reigns again in the NHL! to another episode of Making It Rain with yours truly, Randon McMahon and Joseph Paterino. What's going on, my man, Joe? No, not, not much. Another, it's a nice Saturday evening out here in uh, in Western New York. I don't know about where you are in Texas, but it was a nice day today. Yeah, it was a recovery day. I went out for the Kings game last night and uh, threw a few back. So today was a nice little relax, go hit the gym and, and just enjoy some Seinfeld on uh, Netflix. So that was pretty good. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, that's the day. That was today's first day, right? Was it today or yesterday? The debut uh, of uh, Seinfeld back on Netflix. Seinfeld. I think it was. I think it was yesterday or the day before. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, that's awesome, though. That's awesome. Yeah, one of my favorite shows. Classic. Good, because there's people that I don't know how, but there's people that don't like the show, and I, I don't get it. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's like I think a lot of people. Uh, it's just similar like, to The Office. Like a lot of people think it's absolutely hilarious, or they don't understand the comedy. It's like there's really no in between. Yeah, and I think it's hilarious. So <laughs> yeah. I watch it all the time. So uh, yeah. <laughs> speaking of watching it all the time, back-to-back Kings games got a lot of hockey pumping through the blood in the preseason. 
Uh, got a win and uh, a loss, split the games with Vegas there. But I thought we looked good in both games. Um, you know, the, as Russell, uh, our colleague, pointed out on Twitter that the Corsi 4, uh, even in the second game, was over 60%. So we were pushing the puck in the offensive zone, and we just missed our opportunities to score goals. And so both games, the offense was flying around the flying around the ice. What did you see from the – I know you just watched the first game, but what did you see and what kind of stood out to you? Um, so yeah, I, I, I did not catch last night's game, but doing some of the look afterwards. Yeah. And to Russell's point, the Kings dominated the game five on five, even when adjusted for score and venue was, it was dominant performance five on five. Every line looked, looked strong again from the, from the number standpoint. So, but from, from the first game on Thursday night, um, boy, was I really, really impressed with, and I alluded to it in the, the takeaways article, the Deneau, I follow. I'm, really, I'm loving this this combination. That duo is looking really, really good to me, and I kind of hope that they start the season together. Uh, and I don't, I don't really, I want to see Kachev with those two, um, but I don't even know if it matters. He is he's been looking so good. His his skating is is great, which I I mean I kind of expected, but to see his vision and his passing, um, he's he's playing the left circle on the power play and it's his distribution's incredible. He is just feeding guys and finding, finding open lanes and finding seams. Um, it, it was, it's great to see. And, and he could be a weapon that, that this team has needed for a while uh, from a playmaking standpoint on the power play. So uh, it's, it's hard not to be excited about Kachev. Um, and I'll say, I, th- I thought, I think Quinton Byfield is like game by game, shift by shift period by period, you're starting to see him kind of assert himself just a little bit more. Um, and I know we'll get to it, but, you know, they had their first round of, of guys that got, that the roster got trimmed to bed and, and he's still sticking around for a little bit longer. So we'll see how the rest of camp goes, but he's another one that I thought uh, little by little is starting, is improving from where he was say at the start of the summer. Yeah. I mean, uh, the good points there. And I really think that the Kempe on that Dano line, it really allows, you know, Dano's not, slow a foot by any means. So it allows them to both get their speed going in the right direction. Um, you saw Kempe with uh, Deneau on the penalty kill um, in that game. Like they're the first ones out. And so utilizing that speed in that way too. So it's a definitely an interesting line. And I know a lot of people are down on Kempe because of his inconsistencies, but Deneau is one of the most consistent players on the ice. And so maybe that will, you know, steadfast his, his game there. And, and, you know, Vlad, man, he's, He's got more sauce than an Italian mom spaghetti. I tell you that because <laughs> Jesus, man, like that, he just threads that puck in between so many, so many people, and just right on the on the tape, Scott. I don't. He didn't get a. He almost got a goal last night. He's got three assists in three games, you know, and it's just his view and his skill set, you know, chipping the puck off the boards to get it up to Velarde for that Leas Anderson goal. Just, just outstanding so far with him and. Um, you know, you might not have too much longer before you can get him on the cheap for the Calder race uh, if you were a betting person. So um, he's, you know, he's I, excellent. I want to ask you because, and and maybe I'm one of the guys that's that's. I don't know if I I don't know if I would say I'm down on Kempe or I'm just I want to see it at this point. And we've given him a leash. The Kings have given him a leash here, and it just hasn't quite happened. Because the one thing that I would say maybe was missing a little bit, um, as well as I think the Dano, Iafalo, and Kempe line played, I don't, 
there's not that pure offensive creativity, that playmaker, that natural playmaker on the line. I mean, Iafalo and uh, Dano are so good at both ends of the ice, um, offensively, defensively, through the neutral zone. And Kempe is very north-south, great wheels, but I don't sense a, a great deal of creativity on that line. And I wonder if there's going to be times where they go stale offensively, hypothetically, if that line were to, to stay together to where that's where I would love to see Kachev play with Ayafalo and Deneau just to add that extra offensive jolt to that line to then they're going to be unbelievably responsible on both ends of the ice on the defensive side. But now you've got a guy in Kachev who can also set up and, and, and be a creative playmaker and force in the offensive zone that I just don't know if Kempe can be that guy. So I'm curious. I, I know you, you, I know you probably like maybe Kempe or maybe trust him a little bit more than I do, but uh, your thoughts on, on kind of, that's how I see that line. And I kind of would like to see Kachev get a shot there with an extended look with Dino and I follow. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I mean, you might see that after 10 games, but it, this is what I like to hear from both. Kempe and I follow Kempe last year worked a lot on his shot, his offensive game to, to score more goals had I believe 14 goals last year, um, you know, streaky goal scorer. And then, you know, I think to know will make him more consistent with that, his being the primary assist person. And I follow said that's the only thing he really worked on his game all summer was his shot, his, you know, his, you know, the, you know, flexing the stick and, and getting the quick shot within, um, you know, within deep and, it's just uh, something that they both have been working on late, uh, later on in their game. And I think that it's that line is going to be all around good at almost everything, yep. right? And it's you're not going to have an elite presence, maybe only on defense, because Dano and I follow are good defensively um, and speed probably on that line. But all the offensive skills are going to be in, you know, just kind of all around. You, uh, good shooters, good passers, good creativity but not excellent any of those, but the fact that they're creating a lot of Corsi four on that line because of their defensive abilities there, I bet you they're going to see a lot more chances to put pucks in the net. I, I really like that line so far. Um, you know, and I really like Kachev with Velarde because Velarde had yeah. parts of his season where he was super stale in his offense and they yep. want to see him shoot more. He's got a heavy shot. And so having an assist man and a creative guy on his his line and Velarde's underrated creativity. There was a lot of passes behind his back through his legs last year, finding people. And, you know, it, it's, it's something that I think is going to be very underrated having his creativity and his hockey sense with Vlad's hockey sense is going to be a good line for a third line. And I think if you balance it out, you're going to see more consistent waves of attack, just like we saw in that game. I mean, you even saw it from Byfield and Kupari, um, in that game, it was just wave after wave of relentless Corsi four. And I think having a more balanced line on all uh, on the second and third pair or the second and third pairing or lines um, is going to be beneficial for the Kings just to kind of have consistent waves. Like, it's not like, okay, this is our offensive line. And if that line has a, a bad night, then we have no offense. It just seems like they're balancing the lines pretty well. Yeah, and that's the thing that, that if they do decide to go this route and, and have Kempe start off with Dino and Iafalo, and it's it's Kachev because it's hard to argue what we've seen from Kachev playing with Velarde and Leash Anderson too. So it's it's um it's again we've talked about kind of a lot of bodies. It's a good problem to have, but it's also nice to see that um, 
because I have some, I've, I've been very clear that I've had some questions about Ayafalo and is he going to be able to produce enough? And I still think I have the question, but I think he's looked great so far uh, in camp. So I'm very, very happy with, with that. So it, there's, a, there's definitely a lot of positives um, to come out of the first couple of games here early. Yeah, I just like, I've liked his demeanor in, in camp as well. And some of the interviews you listen to, like, you know, like I referenced on the last pod, you know, him wanting to, uh, or him wanting the Kings to step on people's throats and put games away and, and do all that kind of stuff. It seemed like his mind has solely been on, on the offensive part of his game this, this off season. And hopefully that comes out because, you know, like we've mentioned with a lot of the guys trying to earn roster spots, you're looking at, I need to do whatever I can to get on the ice, right? You look at Kapari played wing and he played really well with Byfield. Well, I'll follow earned his ice time. So now like where, what part of your game are you really going to put yourself him knowing that we have all these prospects coming up to keep his job, right? He's still in his twenties. Like he's going to want to be a first or second liner, earn those minutes and earn the money that we're paying him. Like these are all pro athletes. They got pride and everything like that. They don't want to be taken off the, off yep. the top line if they don't have to. And, you know, just like Brown said last year about the prospects, he said like, yeah, I know we have a lot of good prospects, but come and take my job. I dare you. Like, like I've been in the league for a long time. I've established myself. You know, like it's your it's your opportunity. It's not mine. I've earned my respect with this roster, and you need to come take it. And I think that's what I follow is doing too. Yeah, and it, like I said, he's looked great so far, and it's it's I love the duo. Him and Deneau together has been has been great. So whoever they end up pairing with with them, I, I think it's going to be seamless. Yeah, it's it's been nice, and you know we've we've seen a little bit of <clears throat> bouncing around the lines in, in the first one. You know, we thought. A lot of us thought that Samuel Fagamo might have a chance to crack the roster with him playing first line minutes and how well he played in the rookie tournament or the rookie faceoff. Uh, you know, he got sent down today, and we'll talk about that later with the the rank construction. But it's been it looks like the lines are starting to settle in. We got three preseason games left. The next one's on Tuesday, and I think I think they're going to let these lines roll pretty much until you know game ten, and then see how they're performing, just like last year, and see what you know, if there's any tweaks that need to be made, but you know, you best believe that, you know, switching, Alardi's played with Kempe before. So if, if Vlad's playing way better than Kempe, sure. like, like switching one guy and keeping the, the Dino I follow pair together. Like yep. that's what we talked about. You don't need to find a line that works. You need to find a pair and a plug. Right. So it's going to be. And even that, if Alardi and Anderson are that, are that pair and, and then Kempe, but man, as we talk about this, we haven't even mentioned the likes of, you know, Trevor Moore, Andreas Athen to see you, um, who are probably guys that are they, they're supposed to be regulars. You know, these aren't <clears throat> these aren't necessarily extra extra forwards. These are regulars. So then those are your wings in, in theory, then on our four, on that fourth line. And then you've got a trio of, you know, is Wagner around, is Lemieux around? Um, who's the center? Is Byfield staying as fourth line center? Is it Blake Lazat? You know, so there's there's still a lot of juggling here to be done. Uh, and, and that's not to say that anybody that, that you know, has been uh, sent to the Ontario camp doesn't mean that they can't come back. It doesn't mean that they still can't make the opening night roster. So there's, there's still a lot to, uh, to be sorted out here. But um, we've got a little bit of a, a hint, I guess you could say, with some of the trims today. Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. You look at, you know, Trevor Moore was the, the first line center for the USA team in the, the World Cup, played really well. You have an X-30 goal scorer in FSU, both playing on the fourth line. Like, we better have a lot better numbers 
five on five this year, you're having those types of players on the fourth line. And it just goes to show like how thin we were in the last couple seasons. And now it's, it's a good problem to have, you know, you can have Lemieux play a game here or there against maybe bigger opponents, um, you know, to add some size, you know, you could add if Athens see you and Wagner are essentially the same person with despite the goal scoring. So, you know, if they don't trade one away, then, you know, you, you can give people nights off with like, they have similar abilities. You know, he's a, a typical uh, fourth line grinder with, with excellent speed. So, you know, it's, it looks good. And like you said, you know, and then it allows most of the people that we thought might crack the roster in our, you know, 10 thoughts about the season have already been sent down besides Byfield, but they all played well. I thought Bagamo played well. I thought Kupari played well and Cali have had a goal. So, you know, it's not like they're far off, like you said. Yeah. And, and I don't know, maybe it's hard, I guess you're, you're in the off season in the summer and then you get the rookie camp and the development camp. And so you start to get real fired up about, you know, these prospects and you, you're trying to find holes on the roster and, and, you know, then you have Fagamo go out and do score the great goal he did in the Kings versus Kings game. And there's a lot of buzz around him. You know, he's playing on the top line for And so there's, there's all this stuff going on. And then, so here we are, we get to Sunday and, and again, I, I, obviously this, this nothing is like set in stone, but <clears throat> Fagamo, he's going to be in Ontario camp tomorrow. Cali, I'm going to be in Ontario camp tomorrow. So, but you know, it's, 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 it's okay. It, it is what it is. I mean, I know I've been talking about how I really want to see somebody inject something into that top six. Um, you know, it, so we'll still see how it shakes out, but um, it, it's, it's not a, it's not a bad thing that they have this, but at, the, at some point, and I know, you know, we've talked about it on this pod and I think the last time we got together with, with Scott too, it's like at some point, you have to start to let let's go here with these guys and you know that's the one thing is you kind of have maybe some veterans that could be blocking them but at some point you got to see what you got and you got to let them run um and we'll see when that when that time comes yeah we'll see we'll see who who uh you know gets through the old uh the old waivers there and everything like that but i also think that you know this could be a good thing right i mean now they can find trade partners for whoever they feel is expendable um, if, if they don't already get picked up through waivers and, and then when those players are playing well in the A, you could bring them up. I fully believe our team is going to look different in, in March than it will in, oh, in October. Absolutely. Yeah, of course. We haven't talked about the defensemen. <laughs> I mean, the, you know, the big, the big t- uh, talking point, I would say coming out of the Kings today is Cal Clegg is on waivers. And I don't know, like, I think we all, on, at least at Hockey Royalty, are Kale Clegg fans and think he should be at, in strong consideration for the roster. Not to say he, he still isn't, but when you bring in Alex Adler and you already have Anderson, Mata, and Bjornfit, that's not that surprising that that he he's the one that's, that's going to get waived and sent down. Uh, and they, obviously they hope he clears, but um, a little... I, I guess I'll say disappointing, but again, not that shocking, um, but we'll see what happens. I mean, this is the second time in a few months that they're, you know, they, they left him exposed for Vegas or excuse me for Seattle. Um, and we'll see if, if anybody bites on it this time. Yeah. And they have to see a lot out of him, a team that would want to claim him 
to have them on their roster, right? They're that they, you can't claim somebody and send them down to your, you know, mm -hmm. your minor league team. Mm -hmm. So they have to see enough from him to want to keep him up there. And he only played a few games last year in the NHL. He only played, uh, you know, he played in the Ontario uh, last year and only a couple games for preseason this year. So he said his game has developed. He looked a lot bigger on the ice. I thought, I thought he put on some weight, but who knows? I mean, I think like I mentioned in the last one, or I think we both mentioned his versatility makes him the perfect seventh D guy on this team uh, to play right or left side in case somebody needs a, a break. And so I think it's only a matter of time until they trade uh, Mata away, but you're not going to put him on the, uh, in the A with his salary because that doesn't make any sure. sense. Sure. And that's, that's why with the moves that they decided to make today, I'm not, it's not very surprising, but you know, uh, I just, you, you wonder if they get, if, if something comes up or somebody, maybe that they get surprised and somebody and somebody claims him and, and takes him, who knows? I mean, you could have teams that are, ah, uh, because, because Clay could be one of two things. He's still young enough to where if you have a team that's kind of going through a rebuild, like a, like you know, whether you're Detroit or, or Arizona or, or Buffalo that could use a nice young defenseman who's got a sprinkle of NHL experience and, and give him an extended look uh, on the cheap. Why not? Um, or you could be a team that, you know, I don't know, think of uh, off the top of my head, like the Boston Bruins who, you know, they've had some issues on the blue line with some injuries and, and finding guys and replacing some guys that have, have gone you know, a depth guy like uh, Kyle Clay could fit in perfectly over there. And again, this is a pure speculation. And, and I frankly kind of think he's going to clear because um, there's a lot of teams going through roster uh, shifting and juggling of rosters and contracts. So it's, it's by no means any sort of guarantee that he clears, but it's, you know, a mild risk, right? I, I, yeah. I, I suppose you could say. Here's a question for you. Um, I know we talked about uh, the, the from a contract standpoint that it might be better to send your foot down to not because he's eligible to go through and keep Clegg up there until they find out what to do with Mata. Um, obviously that didn't happen. And we all know that people can make strides from uh, one year to another. And with him being young, like he's entering his twenties now and he's like, did you do you think that he just made a big enough stride to separate that gap farther from Clegg, or do you think he earned the respect of T Mac last year by playing all those games and heavy minutes? I, um, it's maybe a little of both, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's more if it's more the latter that he's got just that little bit more NHL experience. Um, again, I don't I'm not saying I subscribe to that necessarily because, and, and I've said before, I'm a Bjornfoot guy. I still think there's a player there, um, but if you look at the numbers um, that he's had with Roy from a possession standpoint and an expected goal standpoint, you know, small sample, but it hasn't been good. So that's not to say Clay wouldn't be automatically better, but if you know something isn't working, maybe try to maybe change it. Uh, but it certainly seems that they, they look like they're going to go with that Bjorn for Roy uh, to start, but um, which I, I'm not, I don't hate that. It's just, it's not something, Bjornsson hasn't been overly impressive yet. Um, and it hasn't, that pair hasn't necessarily lit the world on fire. So I thought there could be an opening there for something and, you know, Clegg being one of the guys. Um, but again, if they, they're, they're getting the chance to see, 
you know, how that's, how that's played out and how Jorn Fritz looked here in camp. And if they like what they see and, and he's the guy, and I suspect that they're going to, he's going to be the open tonight left defenseman too. Yeah, I, I think it, it might be a little bit of both as well. And I, you know, you look at it as far as his experience there and maybe he was, there was definitely some moments where he was playing out of his depth last year and, you know, that was his first full season too. And you're going to make strides hopefully from year one to year two. And, um, you know, you, with your full, your full team there, you're more time with your, with your D partner and, and see how that works. And so I think they're going to give it a shot, like you said, to start the season and maybe they mix it up um you know as the season goes along you know maybe you know he's he's a he has that first round acumen i know draft capital doesn't really mean anything once you're on the ice because it's whoever's the best player at this moment but you know you would hope that eventually he becomes a better player than mikey anderson and, and pushes for that ld1 spot for the for the time being yeah i i, I like i said i still think there's a player there i, I i'm i'm i don't want to be overly down on him um it just it it hasn't quite been there yet um but hopefully this will be um hopefully this will be more of a a step forward for him and i'm trying to see i wanted to get a quick look here because uh, he had i mean pretty much every king had a great game against even though they lost four nothing i just wanted to get a quick quick glance at i'm on uh, natural stature just to see and yeah he had a very impressive bjorn fit did set over, over 17 and a half minutes or almost 18 minutes uh and dominant possession numbers again i know everybody did that game but it's good to see so you know perhaps there is that that next that next step in his development that he's taken you know which is going to be nice and i think it, you know, after he gets more settled in on the defensive part of his game, which is his his strong suit, we might see a little bit more offensive flurry uh, come from it. You know, like when you feel more comfortable and the game is coming to you at a reactionary standpoint and you're not having to think out there and do all that kind of stuff, then your offensive game can start to flow and you're not, you know, worried about getting beat or where, where do I need to be and creating chemistry with your partner. You know, now that he's played with Roy pretty much a full year. Yep. That should yep. be there, and you know the offensive part of their game should be a little bit more apparent for both of them. Yeah, and hopefully that's the case. And hopefully that's the case. So, did you see anything? Um, do you want to bring up anything else from those games? Um, I would say the thing that I loved um, was, and you can definitely see a change. Like they were, they were very, very um, aggressive and up and at it and getting after it um, in terms of just their style of play. The defensemen were active. The defensemen were getting up through the neutral zone. The defensemen were jumping up into the play. Uh, and I'm a big, big proponent of that. Um, I think you got to just – you help keep keep the jump, keep the pressure on the other team. Um, and I, I'm all about having active defensemen keep pucks in the offensive zone. Uh, and I thought they, they've really – you can see a noticeable difference in that. Now, I wonder – I do wonder how that style plays – you know, if, and again, we'll see how the de defense shakes out. Um, Cause I don't think you're going to see situations where Olimata and Alex Adler are both in the lineup at the same time very often. Um, but if you do, can you, can you, I can can the Kings run that way with those two guys? Um, Cause I, I, that's not necessarily their game at this point of, of run and gun and, and, and jumping up into the play. I know Ad Adler did it a bit on, on Thursday night. Um, but that, I don't. I think it's a lot to ask of him at this at this stage of his career. Yeah, I'm not too worried about it. It just depends on how he's utilized, right? So you saw yeah. it from multiple uh, other podcasts when they talk about 
uh, Edler and and everything like that, saying that he just got burnt out with the amount of minutes that he's playing. He's not going to be asked to play 22-something minutes a night. He's just not. So his legs are going to be more fresh. He's probably not going to play back-to-backs. He might not even play with one day off. Like, he might just play, you know, if there's oh, if there's two games with a day in between, he might get two days rest just to save his legs and save the, and, you know, keep that offensive ability alive. So that way he can do what he's good at because – he is an offensive defense or has offensive skill, you know, when he's, you know, when he's uh, active, you know, from, yep. from that, from the motor standpoint, you know, and I think with him having less minutes, keep those legs fresh and which keeps, keeps his skill set alive uh, to contribute more offensively. Cause we need it. I mean, we were bottom in almost every single offensive category uh, last year, besides power play for most of the season. Uh, we ended up finishing 18th, which isn't great, but we were top 10 for three-fourths of the season. Uh, that's how we were only getting our goals. And so I think you're going to see a nice little uh, addition from the defensemen. Um, and in order for the Kings to make the playoffs, I think you're going to need to see, you know, 25 points from Walker and stuff like that to to kind of get those guys, you know, moving up upwards. Yeah, there's 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 no question. And we I know, like, a lot of times we talk about how – or even Walker, who insert and then any other de- defenseman, but he just can't be yeah. dowdy. Just can't be dowdy. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. Exactly. And I was just going to say. I mean, we talk so often how how poor the Kings have been at five on five scoring, and we always harp on the forwards, and, and I'm very guilty of it. Is um, but you know, it's the defenseman too, um, and like you said, he can't just be Drew Dowdy that's leading the rush because he's he's not. Uh, the same necessarily drew Dowdy that he was even, you know, a few years back. Like I know he's coming off a, a bounce back year, but remember that's a bounce back year. He, he had had a couple of years where it was a struggle. So this is not a guarantee that, that drew Dowdy is like this, you know, 50 point, 40, 50 point defenseman anymore. I mean, if he does it great, but I, I think we do have to have a little bit of caution there that there, there's not a guarantee that that's, that's always going to be the case. Uh, now, maybe with this kind of adjusted style of play and they're being more aggressive again, and he's going to be willing to ju- go in and jump. Okay. So now we, now maybe we do see some more offense from him, but um, l- let's not forget and, and just take for granted that all oh, Drew Doughty's, you know, he's back to being the Drew Doughty. He was five, six, seven years ago, because, you know, it's, it's same thing we talked about with, with Dustin Brown is yes, he's coming off a great year, but that, doesn't mean it's going to happen again. Um, all of these guys are a little bit older, um, and Dowdy has has had some spurts in his career where it hasn't been great. Um, so I, I just don't want to, to to bank on that. So you do need depth and some scoring from from the rest of the defensemen too. And, and even if Alex Adler can chip in on that, whether it's in that PP two role or even if his skating is is going to be is what it is. He, you can clearly see, and man, he made some some very just kind of soft under the radar plays in the D zone to help start the breakout in the transition that were awesome. Like you see, there's too many times you see defensemen that'll just wrap it or hammer it up the boards or go off the glass. He can still calmly grab it. He waits that extra half second, and he'll he'll make a, a soft kind of a six foot pass to his low centerman, who can then turn and go up and out, and that that just keeps things going and it keeps possession it doesn't give it away and it just gives the kings an opportunity to shift to offense so even little things like that alex adler that's what he can add yeah i mean i think i think dowdy is 
probably the most, most, most motivated Dowdy we've seen. Um, sure. Uh, based on his interviews, he seemed more mature. Um, I know he's always been like a funny guy and likes to give direct answers and everything like that, but he seems a little bit more uh, like focused, like leadership focused wise. And, um, you know, saying that he, met, you know, he admitted before, he's like, I just was so talented. I'd never really worked out when I was younger. And now that I'm older, I'm taking a lot more care of my body. And I think having daughters now and like being a father has kind of changed his mentality of approaching, um, you know, his, his lifestyle. And I think that the fact that he's constantly been knocked uh, on the national level for, you know, skipping over him for team Canada, um, you know, hit the odds for him to, uh, to make the, or to get the Norris trophy. I think he kind of takes that personally and, and, and wants to use it as fuel for the fire. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see 60 point down this year, like we did in 2017, 18 and, and have him dominate just because if you, like we, like I said, with your foot, Mikey Anderson should grow a little bit as far as experience and calmness, maybe not his skill level, because I think there's a ceiling for every athlete, but the calmness and like the game is going to be seem slower to him now that he's had more experience and that might allow Dowdy to join the rush and be more offensively gifted. Uh, yeah. like, like he hasn't been able to in the past because maybe he's been worried about the defensive responsibilities. So that's, that's probably the one thing I'll hang my hat on for, for Dowdy is, is this, this a bit more up-tempo and aggressive style of play that the Kings are going to go with. Um, I think that makes me a little bit more bullish on, on his, uh, you know, potential offensive production and continuing kind of what he was doing from last year. Cause I do think if I'm not, I, I don't have it in front of me, but I think a lot of his production last year did come with the man advantage. So it's not as if he was, you know, uh, from a production standpoint, great at five on five. Um, and like I said, I'll, I'll have to double check that I could be wrong, but so uh, there's still improvement that does it's still more that is needed from Dowdy at five on five. Yeah. I, I feel you there. Uh, I want to talk about, and it's a kind of a minor point, but uh, we might need him this year. Is Garrett Sparks played? Yeah, I thought, I thought played really well. Yeah, he's got he's got the the you know the the mane underneath the helmet, you know, poking out the back. I like it, and he looked good. Like he looked good in there, and like it kind of gave me confidence that if one of the the goalies goes down and he needs to start five or six games this year, that I wouldn't be uh, I would not be too worried about him being in the net. Completely agree. And there was some points in that uh, Vegas game, the first one, where despite the fact that the Kings controlled the game, they needed some big saves early. Uh, it was still, I mean, Lemieux scored early, so it was one nothing Los Angeles for a bit. But, you know, it very well could have been a tie game, and Vegas had chances early on um, that Garrett Sparks was huge in. So, uh, and I think it's, it's a great point you make because, you know, you never know. And Quicks had injuries, injury issues, so... Um, just to be able to, you know, call on a guy that you can trust to slot in and, you know, be a backup goalie or spot in a spot start here and there as needed. Um, that's all you're asking. And, and, you know, not to go too crazy off of one game, but I thought he looked really, really good. Agreed. You know, and, you know, we, we talked about the goalie issues for the rain. Um, I, he's definitely going to help out there. Um, I don't know about him from a leadership standpoint because, you know, we, we don't know yet. And But I'm sure he'll be a good guy to have in the room uh, for Matty V and and the Ontario Reign there. So I think that's I think that's all we got for the Kings. So, you know, let's get our bags packed, you know, pack a little extra cookies in there because we're off to camp, boys. Tomorrow, Ontario Reign, start camp. Uh, let me just kind of go down the list of players who have been sent. So 
people who have been put on waivers that could get uh, picked up by other teams are Braden Burke, Kale Clegg, Martin Furk, Jacob Murari, Garrett Sparks, TJ Tynan. Yes. Okay. Uh, Brent Kemp has been released from his ATO and will report to the Ontario Reign. Um, and then you have um, Jacob Doty, Cameron Gauntz, Adam Johnson, John Lethamon, or Lethamon, Nikita Pavlichev, and Brett Sutter have been released from their PTOs and report to the Ontario Reign as well. <clears throat> so the prospects that were waiver exempt and have been loaned to the Reign are Lucas Parikh, Jared Anderson Dolan, uh, uh, Aiden Dudas, Sean Dursey, Samuel Pagamo, Helgi Granz, Jacob Bingham, Arthur Kaliev, Marcus Phillips, Rasmus Kupari, Tyler Madden, Johan Sodergram, Jordan Spence, Alice Turcott, and Matty V, the goalie. So uh, not anything too uh, too surprising from my standpoint. Was there any names there that you thought was surprising that you thought might have stuck around in camp longer? Um, I guess you could say uh, the way Fagamo's summer has gone, not even just this uh, the training camp, but he's had a really good summer overall. Um, I thought maybe you could see him or Kaliev, uh, but I'm, I'm not too shocked at, at anybody else. We kind of touched on Clegg a little bit already that we, much as we all think he should be, we get the number standpoint, but from a forward, um, from the forward side of things, um, I'm not that surprised. Are you surprised? Let me ask you, because I know Jared Anderson Dolan, um, I had talked about early in the summer, I made it because I, I did an article making the case for Blake Lazat as fourth line center instead of Jared Anderson Dolan. Um, so I, but I think a lot of people just fully expected Dolan's going to, you know, start with the Kings. And he, again, still could, just to be clear, anybody that we just mentioned could still start the season with the Kings, right? That's, that's still a possibility, but just for, for conversation purposes. So yeah, are you surprised? All that good stuff. Sure. So is there anybody, I, so I thought maybe for me, I was a little surprised at Anderson Dolan, just because I didn't think they would actually go that route. I actually kind of figured that he would be with the Kings and with, with the big club for the duration. I was a little surprised to see that. Were you? Uh, yeah, a little bit, but then you realize like, you know, what, what is, you know, what is Blake Lazat or insert other forward here going to help Ontario with? Are you going to have them play third, fourth line minutes? Cause you want your prospects to play. Right. So, you know, and he is waiver exempt, right. He's not eligible yep. for somebody to, yep. to pick him up. So it's, I think that, yeah. I think they look at it like, okay, who's better right now, Quinton Byfield or Anderson <clears throat> Dolan, or who do we want to see more from? And obviously they picked Quinton. And then you're like, okay, well, Lazat can play there. Elias Anderson can play center and we can move somebody else to wing if somebody else gets hurt. And so I expect Anderson Dolan to be up on the team by the end of the year. But there's also what we thought with the mix of contracts and talent that he might be eligible there. I think where fans, including me, got excited is that we've been so starved for offense. And when he came up and gave us a jolt, that kind yep. of stuck with me all season, mentally stuck with me all season because Lazat's been there a while. And as much as I like Lazat, you know, from a defensive standpoint and, you know, the, the, a, lot, a lot of his metrics, he's not a goal scorer in the no. National Hockey no. League. Um, he was in college and everything like that, but in the National Hockey League, he's not. Um, and so then you're like, okay. Anderson Dolan can be, and he can also do the defensive stuff. And so, you know, and is he going to be our, 
Trevor Lewis of the future where you see some offensive skill, he's good defensively, and, you know, he does all the things necessary for a team to win and, and has good leadership, leadership ability. That's Jared Anderson Dolan in, in a nutshell for me. So I think eventually he'll get there. I don't think it's surprising because if you pick him instead, then you have to put somebody else on waivers, and then you're just clogging up the, um, the A with people who, you know, are taking up spots for prospects down there too because I yeah, think it's super important. And I'm curious to see, so assuming he starts in Ontario, where he starts um, and what, where he plays. Um, that's a, that's a roster that, you know, as we, as we kind of unpack it here, we have, there's, there's the likes of Turcotte, Kapari and TJ Tynan, who are all centermen. Do they play Anderson Dolan as a center? Do they play him on the wing? Does he play in the top six in Ontario? Does he play on a third line? How that all shakes out, I think, is going to be very interesting. You know, Tyler Madden's another one who can play the middle. So I'm I'm interested to see, and maybe we'll get a a, a little bit of a a look at it when rain camp starts on Sunday, as to how these cards start to fall because there's still a lot of centers um, in Ontario and who is going to be kind of shifted to wing and their first, I think their first preseason game is Thursday, the seventh. Um, so that's really where we'll get a clue at least as to how some things could look from a lineup standpoint, but a um, lot of ways they could go. I mean, because you, and obviously as, as you, you had mentioned all the names, the one that you didn't mention was Byfield. He is still in the Kings camp right now, but you have from Turcotte, Kapari, those are both potential first line centers. TJ Tynan is a potential top six centerman. Um, obviously Anderson Dolan. So it's just, it's going to be really interesting to see how the rain roster now kind of how that shuffles. Do you think that with the fact that Kapari played wing in the preseason game indicates what, what they think of him um, or what they wanted for him to do at that level? Cause then he played right wing. And so yep. you could, and they, they've kept, pretty much kept Turcotte and Calia together most of the the rookie tournament and in Ontario last year. So you could see a first line of Turcotte at center, Calia at left wing, and then yep. and Kupari at right. Or for some reason, they like to play off wing up, up, up at the big club. So maybe they switch <laughs> them around uh, and have them. But maybe Kupari gets more wing time. Then you have Jared Anderson Dolan as the 2C um, with, uh, with Fagamo and Madden and tying in as the third C and Brett Sutter as the fourth. Yeah. And that's, that's entirely how that could shake out. And, and that I'm, I don't know. I mean, part of me, I really like that, that Kapari Fagama. I kind of would like to see them play together, but I just don't know how that happens. If to your question, Kapari stays on the wing. And, and we, I think we talked about this um, on the last pod was if he is a center, I think it's with a different organization. So um, I do think he's, he's, a, he's going to be a winger and his path through into Los Angeles is on the wing. So uh, them playing him on the wing with Byfield maybe is a clue and we'll see what Ontario does if they, if they have him start on the wing. But I, I think that's at least in Los Angeles, that's probably his most likely path is on the wing. Yeah. I think you just look at it and, and it might come down to something minute all these guys are super skilled it might come yep. to how well they perform in, in the dot um, the center has more defensive responsibility so who's a better two-way guy might get the nod there and allow the more offensive forward or offensive minded forwards 
you know, move to the outside. It's just going to see what they think. And I think, to be honest, they're going to scramble these guys around a little bit until, you know, some of this stuff starts getting solidified. Like the only one, yeah. I think, the only one I think is solidified at, at uh, center is Byfield and everybody else that we've drafted could, could migrate wherever. Um, and, you know, they obviously see Velarde as a center right now. I mean, he played center both games. Um, I don't know how the numbers in front of me from the dot, but I know that's where he struggled last year. Um, so I don't, you know, we'll, that, that should be a big, uh, a big thing to focus on when the season starts is how well he goes from inside the circle. Um, you know, cause we definitely need that to push the offense, but it's definitely something to take a look at on the rain. And I, I, I like the lines there and I think they're going to get, see some good uh, talent out there. And then the wild card is going to be, um, Akil Thomas in November. Yeah. Comes back to yeah. Yeah, that exactly. And, you know, we haven't mentioned Aiden Dudas yet, who I think has, has, I think he won some fans over watching some of the rookie camp and some of the, the, the games that he, he had played in. Uh, he definitely provides a spark. There's no question about that. Um, so it's, it's, I, I've, I count by my count, I have 16 forwards um, in Ontario. So that's that's still a lot of bodies um so there's still going to be some some trimming that's done and that doesn't even count anybody that could be coming down from los angeles still because they've got 34 guys at camp uh that they've gone down to so they've still got a number of cuts to make so there's there's still a lot to to get shaken out here um which we 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 knew and and, and has been the case for a while um so how this all comes comes about is, is going to be interesting i, I you know, I would love to see, like I said, I, I'd like to see Kapari start on the wing. I'd also like to see Turcotte start on the wing because, I, again, similar to Kapari, I think that's probably his path to Los Angeles. Um, but if Byfield starts in in, um, in Los Angeles, somebody's going to play first-line center in Ontario, and it's it's probably going to be Turcotte or Kapari. Yeah, I think, I think you're going to see um, they kind of move around a bit based on who's there. If they do decide yeah. to send Byfield down, then somebody will move over. Yeah. Um, and I think in, in the next level, you're going to see a lot of guys that can play both ways, um, you know, until things really get hammered uh, hammered out and somebody, you know, goes and grabs the spot. Um, you know, if, if it's funny. I, see this, I see this. I see this all the time. Like, cause I, I coach a high school team, a varsity high school team here in Rochester. So everybody's a center on their travel team. Everybody's a center, but not everybody can play center. It's, I know it's, you know, it's high school hockey versus the pros, but it's the same idea. Like the higher level you get, the better players generally are centers. And like, at least on their, on their youth teams, right. As they're, as they're growing and getting older and whatnot. So it's, you, you run into the same type of thing as, as you get to that highest level, at some point, something's going to have to give because not everybody can play center. There's only so many spots. So it's the same idea here where, all these guys have been the play driving guy on their team for years, you know, whether it's coming up through the ranks and growing or whatever it is. And if they get to this highest level, all those other guys are doing the same thing. So it's like, okay, we have to find who can play the wing and who can, you know, who can't, cause not everybody can make the shift. Um, but it's, it's funny that it, it, it happens. It's, it's not an uncommon thing. I think it's, it's something that you see in every sport. I mean, baseball, I played shortstop until I was, 10 and then you get the most athletic people usually stay at short and then the other people move elsewhere and then you have uh guys that are gifted at throwing the baseball get tried out at pitching first 
And then it just kind of feels it out. And then as you funnel more and more athletes, as you go up the ranks, all those guys played shortstop at one point because they were all the most athletic yeah. guys on their team. <laughs> and they exactly. all get moved. And then, you know, then puberty hits and some guys go to six, four, some guys don't. And then they get thrown to first base or, you know, however it goes. And I remember, I remember in youth basketball, I mean, I was, I'm definitely not a great ball handler now, but I, I played point guard and shooting guard because I was the only one that could shoot threes. <laughs> and I was the only one that could take the ball off the court without you feeling that somebody would take it from you. You know, like I was the tallest guy on the team playing shooting guard because of your athletic ability. And that's just kind of how it is in hockey too. Like everybody is going to play center if you're the best player. And then when you funnel all the best players into each other, they're going to, yeah. you know, they're exactly. going to so yeah, I get a chuckle of that. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting because we do got three more preseason games for the Kings opening nights, October 14th. Uh, I'm sure Rob Blake's looking at um, all the pl- other players that were sent down on waivers, roster construction for all the other teams, and, and seeing if there might be a fit for Amada or it might be a fit for a Wagner or it might be a fit for somebody like that to not take up a roster spot and, and get any sort of pick that you can, you know, because it seemed, it seemed like their strategy, like we talked about, was to package those picks to move up in the draft constantly. And I have a feeling they're going to do that again next year because, like they said, there's only so many contracts that we can have. And so yeah. drafting seven guys isn't going to help us. So at some I, point you do so much, so much building and, so, and, and, you know, you acquire so many draft picks during your rebuild, the early part of your rebuild, that as you get toward the later part of it, like at some, you got to get going, you got to speed up the process a little bit. So you, you try to grab more, you know, quality versus quantity. Whereas in the beginning of the rebuild, you're just, you're trying to stockpile the cupboard and, and the Kings are, are very well stocked there. So now it's just about finding that not as many, but getting the high quality, but to your point, you know, uh, we'll see, you know, I, I, I actually have not hated um, Brendan Lemieux's game in camp, um, which I was a little surprised at myself. Cause I'm, I, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily see a fit, but I thought he's looked okay so far. So I'll be wondering, he brings that little different element that, that the Kings really nobody else on the, on the team has. So if how much they value that, and if they want to keep that around, that would be interesting to see too. Yeah. I mean, uh, from every account when he got traded uh, last season, a lot of the fans were mad that he got <laughs> traded just because he's kind of that, uh, like that scrappy fan favorite type guys, uh, you know, like, you know, like uh like a, a Dwight King or a, a Clifford, that kind of that kind of player, um, where like the fans really like his his game, like the way he brings himself to the rink every day. And you know that was his first time really getting traded as a pro. I think um, you know he really liked New York, and maybe it was just coming to a team that really wasn't competing. Um, and at the end of the season, and he only got a certain amount of games, he really didn't get his feet wet consistently. Yeah, maybe it's just he needed a summer to acclimate, and he's going to bring something different this summer around. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, he, because I, I just I don't know that he's a guy I would see in the lineup on a consistent basis. Um, so, but again, if if they if they value that that kind of element that he brings to the game um, on you know a once a week basis um, or once every other week basis, then, then maybe there's something there. Um, I don't know. I, I would suspect it's, it's gotta be at this point almost for that extra forward or extra, if they, if they carry two extra forwards, you know, you're looking at Lazat, Wagner, Lemieux as two of those guys, 
Yeah. If, if assuming Byfield, maybe if if they do decide to keep Byfield on the team, then you're you're looking at probably two of those guys. Um, and so we'll see which one is going to be the uh, the odd man out. Yeah. Well, I want to switch gears a little bit and let's go to the defenseman of the Ontario Reign. And we saw yes. it a little bit. We saw it a little bit in the rookie faceoff. Um, you know, we mentioned it in our season preview that we had a lot of right-handed defensemen. And some of them were going to have to play on their offside. And we saw that with Jordan Spence and Helgi Grunz. They both played together. Uh, we thought that that might be a, a third-line pairing for the team this year. How did that look to you in the rookie faceoff? Uh, I know that we were both interested in seeing, uh, you know, Helgi Grunz play and Jordan Spence play. And they both had, had their moments so far in camp. Um, you know, does, have your, has the stock risen for you with, uh, with those guys? Spence, yes, uh, it has. I had, and, and I say it because in my player preview for him, I just wanted to see how his skating adapts at this level. Um, and so the rookie now, it's still the rookie camp. So I want to see it now in, in rain camp and they do a preseason game next week. But I was very impressed. He looked, he was a great skater, frankly, um, in, in, in camp. So I was very impressed with that. Him playing the offside was really good to see too. And I'm going to say stocks down on Helgi Grands for me. I, I'd say just it's 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 level, right? I don't know if it's not bullish or bearish, whatever. Neutral is that is that I'm not a, not big into the stock market necessarily. Yeah. So T Rex kills them both. So whatever. So, but I I thought he's a raw talent. Um, and, and I, in my, in my preview, I I'd reached out and I talked a bit with, with Sixteen Funquist and that's exactly the word he used too. is he's a raw talent. So you're going to have to deal with some, some ups and downs and some, you know, there's going to be some, some growing pains and some, and, and some progression there with, with Helgi Grounds. And that's okay. He's still very, very young. And this will be his first, uh, go through here in, in North America and, and at the HL level. So, um, that's probably to be expected so I thought at times he looked exactly what I thought he could be I look at Helgi Grands and all the the video I've watched and talking to Sixton he's not a guy like Jordan Spence could lead a rush he can get the puck and he's the type of skater that you know if all if his skating improves the way it looks like it's going to that he can lead the rush and and kind of go end to end quote unquote if you will I don't know that Helgi Grimes is ever going to be that guy, but Helgi Grimes will make the first pass and he'll join the rush as it's going because he's got great vision and can, and can see and read plays. So that's how I see. And he showed spurts of that in, in the rookie face off, but he also showed spurts of, you know, under pressure, a little heavy in his feet. Um, and, and, and so he, he struggled a bit in, in kind of his transition, but again, it's, it's to be expected. He's a very raw talent. Um, uh, but I liked the pairing. It was fun to watch those two when they were paired together. Um, so if that is what uh, Ontario goes with, that should be a really exciting pair to watch. But uh, I would say I'm as is a neutral on, on Helgi Grants, excited to see him, but stock definitely up um, from what I saw at Jordan Spence. Yeah, I, I got stock up for both. And I think, I think the only qualm that I have with Helgi is it might be with the same for a lot of European skaters is adjusting to the smaller rink. And so, uh, you know, when you're a defenseman, the gap, the gap, gap control is a big thing. Yep. Uh, you're going into the, the corners and you have your back turned. Skaters get up on you a lot quicker. And, and so, you know, those types of things are going to be the adjustment for him. But I really liked the fact that he wasn't afraid to take charge uh, mm -hmm. and shoot the puck in the rookie, the rookie face off. 
made a lot of good first passes. And so um, I guess it's a, it's a slight arrow up, but it's like confirmed what I thought that he could be. Um, and it's uh, just kind of seeing it a little bit there. I really liked, but from Jordan Spence, you know, having uh, what should have been two goals. I know one got called back because the tip was too high or anything like that, but he's not afraid to shoot the puck either. And he seems to find, he just seems to find the holes, you know, being a defenseman, you have all those bodies in front and sometimes it's hard to, to find the holes into the, to get it even to the goalie, let alone in the goal. And he seems to do that on a routine basis. Uh, not only in the world junior tournament where he was in the exact right spot in the slot and buried that puck. And then, you know, he's, he's whistled a couple of them through uh, ping pong and through some defenders all the way to the goalie and, and has got, got some uh, scoring opportunities. So I really have enjoyed that. And, you know, like we've said, the big, the big knock on um, the big club is that we don't get scoring from our defensemen. And so seeing both Helgi not afraid to shoot um, and, and Jordan Spence being able to score, I think it kind of brings that. And then you're obviously getting Brant Clark and Brock Faber coming up in the next yeah. couple years as well. I think you're, you're going to see quite a few uh, offensive ability defensemen breaking um, the Kings roster in the next two or three years, which is kind of exciting. And, you know, I got a, a preview coming. It'll be probably the next few days here on, on, on Phillips, who I think he he just totally flies. And he did for me, too, under the radar a bit. But there's there's skill here. There's a skilled player who, in the offensive zone, not at all afraid to shoot the puck. Um, he's got good lateral movement. He's shifty. So I, I, I don't know I, I, where the ceiling is for him or or anything like that. But, man. There's, he's another one that you watch him play, and, and if he's paired with Jersey to start the season, that's going to be a heck of a pairing in, in Ontario. Um, that he's He's got offensive ability. There's no question about it, and I think he took him a bit to adapt to the pro level. Uh, he spent a lot of years. He spent parts of five seasons um, <clears throat> in the OHL, which is, you know, it's, it's a long time. So um, it, it's taken him a little bit of to develop and, and to adjust his game a bit to – the American Hockey League in Phillips, but there's he's 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 got some offensive ability. I mean, I don't know that he'll ever be one that's going to be consistent in that in the NHL, but um, he he's a solid AHL defenseman. He's one of those players that I think like if he was a part of a trade, like for like at the deadline for maybe a rental, you know, on a losing team, and they brought him over, then he might get a shot at you know the seventh D and and later on in the season or maybe next year, like. He might be a sneaky piece that with maybe in a new environment and he doesn't have like the log jam, uh, log jam ahead yeah. of him, could, could maybe get, you know, a year or two of worth in, in that level as a rotational D-man. Like you could see that bottom pair, but maybe PP2 type of just opportunity, you know, and see if, yeah. he, if, he, if that works for him. Um, but there's that type of ability there. There is. Um, but just with it's taken a, a, a while to get to this point. Um, and then, as you just said, the logjam of, of defensemen that I don't know if there's a long future in Los Angeles, but um, he's somebody else on the left side that, that at least in Ontario, hey, it's going to be it's 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 a good defenseman to have for, for the rain. That's for sure. It just seems like uh, there's been quite a good amount of jumps by multiple players. Um, obviously, Sean Dursey looked uh, like a man amongst yeah. boys for the defenseman in the rookie faceoff. Yeah. Uh, so, and then having another year as a pro underneath his belt uh, with him and maybe Murari as the first pair, or him and Clegg 
Um, I don't know how, how they'll, they might do that. Like you said, him and Phillips, there's a lot of options for him, but I think that first pair is going to be uh, a juggernaut this year for, for the rain, which is what we needed. Yeah. If you, if, if you look at the potential, like the way I would like to see it, if they go Phillips Jersey, we talked about Spence and Grimes maybe being that third pair. Um, Mover, if, if Clegg, who can play both left and right, Moverari Clegg is an intriguing second pair. Now, I, I don't know. I'm Moverari is a guy I've raved about him on this pod before, and I, I, I don't want to get too carried away, but he came over last year and in what 25 games, 26 games, had 15 points. Yeah. As a defenseman, not known for that. He's known for being, you know, the, the hockey IQ, not necessarily like two defensive defensemen, but, but not certainly not known for his offense, but if he's that smart, which is why he was drafted and he can make that first pass and he jumps and he knows when to jump up into plays and you watch his movement in the offensive zone. He got a little bit of power play last time, excuse me, last season in Ontario. So he, it's not nothing his offensive ability I, I mean that's he had a I, not expecting necessarily that type of point production but if he can be that type of of play like a, a in transition that play driver make that first pass and and be a guy that can that can be a playmaker from the back end especially with Clegg if, if say he partners with Clegg you know he he's an intriguing defenseman um, again log jam maybe he's a trade piece whatever but for right now for Ontario I'd love to see Moverari get a look as lefty too uh, the one guy I haven't mentioned here is Austin Strand I'm not sure where he fits maybe with that that well he hasn't been he hasn't been sent down yet so maybe he uh he stays up true no nope, that's very true very true good call so I mean right now based on who's been cut I, I like the D pairs you're looking at yep. you know Dursey off very yep, offensive minded. I misread that. I thought Destrain was gone. Yep, you're yeah. right. So you're looking at Dursey very offensive minded, possibly with uh, with <clears throat> Phillips who has some offensive ability. You have Clay very offensive minded with Mubrari with some offensive ability, and you have Strand off- offensive minded with with Grimes with some offensive ability. So it's going to be interesting to how they they push that. And then uh, you know I know Clay and Mubrari will probably start as D pair two if Strand stays up, but. Then you have two lefties, two lefties, and two righties, and two righties. And so maybe Jordan Spencer earns a spot, gets bumped up, um, or or uh, or Granz earns a spot, moves up, and, and maybe they see, you know, how the chemistry works and everything like that. But the D yep. the D pairs should be a lot better this year, and uh, you know we shouldn't be in games that are seven to eight or six to five or you know that type. Of, we should be able to close out some games a little bit. I think that's the biggest jump the organization has probably made over the last couple of years is everybody's they, they've talked about how how deep the forwards are but with the defensemen there's just not been talk of a lot of these guys but as now you look at the NHL level with with Bjorn Foot and Mikey Anderson uh, and for now Strand is there um, and then at the HL level with the likes of Dursey, Kale Clegg We'll see what Moverari brings in his second full year. You've, you're getting rookie AHL seasons from pretty high end, uh, oh, you know, highly, somewhat highly touted defensemen in Spence and, and Helgi Grans. And we haven't even mentioned, um, you know, Brant Clark and, and Brock Faber. Um, so really, uh, they've done a nice job of kind of rounding out the rest of their their prospect with some 
some really good defensemen. And you know, another guy that we haven't mentioned, you know, he he's still in LA camp, but kind of on that bubble is Christian Wolanin. Yeah. And to see where he slots in here. Uh, more of a veteran guy at this stage, but he's still a body that is yeah. going to be somewhere and it could be in Ontario. I, I just think there has to be some moves coming here because it just seems you don't want to get so log jammed because minutes is what's going to help people progress, especially in the AHL. And we don't want, uh, you know, I know injuries happen, so you're going to need, you know, two or three guys down there to, to account for that because you don't want to constantly be bringing up from wherever our ECHL um, affiliate is going to be this year. I know um, with Seattle coming in, there's less spots, you know, because they have to get all that kind of stuff. So I don't really know if there's been an official partnership yet. But um, what I'm, you know, what I'm thinking is that there's going to be some moves being made, whether it's at the beginning of the season or definitely at the deadline, you know, to get maybe a rental piece because we all expect the Kings to be yeah. Yeah, no, no question. No question. And that's, you know, similar to we, we've talked about all the forwards. Like at some point you may see maybe a Helgi Grants, maybe a Jordan Spence, maybe a, um, a Brock Faber as a key piece or one of the key pieces in, in a big trade acquisition because you know, something's going to have to give at some point, um, you know, and, and that's perhaps something that's a little looking down the road, but um, something you can see. Yeah, I think the I think the decor, like you said, has been polished a little bit, and and I think it's because it got it got its cherry on the top, right? It got its Brant Clark, and so everything yes. funnels, everything funnels yeah, down, yeah. everything Agreed. funnels down, and everything like that, and then you're not like okay, you're not oh, is Brock Faber really the 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 crown jewel? Is Helgi Runs really the crown jewel? Is Bjornfoot really the crown jewel? Not really, but you you saw Turcotte, Byfield, and Kaliev as the three jewels up here, and. Like everything's already built for the forwards to come in where the funnel is. And you didn't really see that crown jewel piece. Uh, and now that we have that, everything else seems to be kind of slotting into, uh, into place. Yeah, that that's true. Because it's a lot of guys that are good depth guys and haven't yet established themselves as, you know, legitimate. Although Mikey Anderson's done a nice job so far with, with Dowdy, but um, he's probably the only one so far that's really firmly established himself as a legitimate top four defenseman right now. And and the way our the way our uh, prospects are shaking up, like really, we've only been scratching the surface on who's actually had NHL time so far. So, you know, all that all that stuff will shake up as you as you see. Mikey Anderson made a name for himself. He's a fourth round pick. Jordan Spence, fourth round pick. So draft capital is good for projecting the future. But then you know it all it all comes down to to uh, how they play on the ice and earning those spots. And, you know, I think speaking of earning a spot, you know, we thought that the goalies were a little shaky. We mentioned Garrett Sparks a little bit. Um, Matty V looked really good in that one game that he played. Uh, was a last-minute ad for that tournament. So really wasn't prepared to go. And I'm surprised that he got the first game. He, like, didn't even get a chance for him to settle in or anything like that. And played lights out. So, you know, maybe it's just a, it's a thing of needing more time to develop, like you say, with goalies and just having that maturity. Um, I know it's one game, so we'll see how it plays. And I just think the goalie room should be better uh, this year with Sparks and um, and uh, and Villalta. I expect it to be to definitely be better in Ontario, but you know a lot of that hinges on this the potential progression development that that Manny Villalta makes. And and yeah, he looked really good in that in that game, and uh, it was a shutout, right? He pitched a shutout, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he he played very well, and and that's great to see. But like you said, it's one game, so we'll see how it goes. But 
it's such a tough position, man. I mean, the, there's times you have goalies come out of absolutely nowhere um, that, that, you know, make noise in the NHL. Um, you know, it's just crazy. Like Kevin Lankinen for Chicago, <laughs> was it yeah. last year? Like, where did he, I, I, I don't know, I, maybe people knew about him. I didn't know anything about him. And then all of a sudden he's getting the lion's share of time in Chicago. So you, these, they, they can come out of nowhere and, and you just, their development is, is all over the map and, and how it goes. So hopefully uh, Matty V is ready to take the next step. I mean, I, I'm not going to pretend to, or even attempt to project or think that, that, that one way or the other, he's either not, or he is, cause I don't know. Um, but hopefully he is and you know, he looked good early on so far. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the only position group that really doesn't have a, uh, a top guy. There's a lot of guys fighting for that spot. Now that Cal Peterson has graduated. Um, you know, I was a big proponent of them taking a goalie this time because how deep our prospect pool was. I'm very happy with Brent Clark. I mean, he was rated at, at some people as the number two or three overall prospect in this last draft. So very excited for have a legit offensive defenseman who can, um, you know, take up that scoring mantle and that PP one mantle, you know, when, when Dowdy uh, ages out and it's, you see what those kind of guys like Kale McCarr or Quinn Hughes do to a power play. It just, it really revolutionizes yep. the scoring. So I'm very happy about that. But from an organizational standpoint, we don't really have uh, a goalie in the wings that, that you can depend on with, with quick being, gone in a couple of years, I don't have a confidence in any goal that we have so far to, to see that next path. Now that's also two years of, of progression and development. And so somebody could take that the bull by the horns and, and grab that spot. So that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out this year. If Matty Valalta falters, is Ingham or Parikh going to get a shot? How will Ingham and Parikh do in the ECHL uh, teams in their next year of development um, and, and kind of see where that goes. And then, Will they address that in the draft this year? I don't know if there is a number one goalie like there has been the last uh, two or three three seasons with Knight, Askarov, and and now there was two goalies in this draft. Um, yep. Man, that goalie for Detroit is massive, six six. Uh, I saw him with the pads on, like practice. So I was like, dude, he's like he's like does he covers the whole net and he's just sitting down. Like no wonder he's such a good goalie. Like no fucks are gonna get him. But um, you know, will they? Will they address that? And that's going to be something for years to come. And I think it's going to be addressed a little bit on the team this year. And and I wouldn't be surprised if if some people start heating up from the from the the minor leagues in the ECHL and Valalta uh, sputtering a little bit if they get some nods and they get some chances. And we'll just see how that goes out. I hope not. I hope Matty V has a great season and and earns that spot and keeps it all year. But it could be intriguing, especially if. Um, you know, maybe not that he's not playing well, but if somebody gets injured and then, you know, you injury usually spreads opportunity and then you can get some guy to earn a spot. Yeah. And, you know, though they aren't exactly highly touted uh, right now, Bolalta, Ingham, Parikh, it wouldn't in the slightest surprise me if one of them emerges and starts to be a guy that's in contention for an NHL job. Um I, but I'm not going to sit here and try to guess which one because it's a position that I don't feel comfortable guessing at in the slightest. It's a very difficult one to, to evaluate, um, especially for me, um, and it's a difficult one to project out, So, which is kind of why I don't like the idea of taking goalies early because it's such a difficult position to, to project out, but that's, I guess, neither here nor there. Um, 
but they it's I, I am I'm cautiously optimistic that one of them because it's it's almost as if you know Volalta I think uh, Ryan Sykes had had one of the piece did doing a goalie preview um, for the organization and I think he had noted that Volalta had given up I think in half his starts gave up four goals or more so yeah it's obviously not very good <laughs> but you know what I go into this year and it's it's a whole it's a brand new year. And with goalies, it could be a totally different year for the kid. Um, so hopefully it is. Yeah, that 2020 draft class is looking very interesting. And a goalie that we really haven't brought up because he hasn't been signed is Hugo Markkinen. Um, you know, they fourth-round pick playing in Finland. It's going to be interesting to see if from now, right now, like just like just get like taking a look at that that draft class. You have Quinton Byfield. Obviously, he's looking good. You have Helgi Granz. Looking good so far. Brock Faber did excellent. You have Casper Simon Tybal with three goals this year. Already. What a draft that is so far. Yeah. You have Casper Simon Tybal with three goals already in, in Liga. You have Alex Laferriere uh, La for the USHL had, I think, over tw- uh, 30 points last year. Um, Hugo Markinen is already playing for Liga in Katera. And Martin Kromiak in the fifth round. Um, we've seen him and his, and his prowess. And then Atu Jamson already has like five points for Liga this year. Um, and he's a seventh round pick. So, you know, what, a, like from top to bottom, it looks like a heck of a draft. all those guys are, are trending upwards, which is what you'd like to see uh, for, for a draft class. Yeah. And Chromiak just signed an entry level deal and, you know, he, he's gotten a lot of buzz uh, with how he looked in camp and the rookie, uh, the rookie face off. Um, yeah. He's, he's, he's been a, an, an intriguing one this summer, uh, obviously going back um going back to, to junior, but um, he's just no doubt uh, his stock is up. That's for sure. Yeah. He'll go back to junior and he's going to play with the uh, suspected number one overall pick yeah. this year and Shane Wright. Um, yeah. So you can see him getting over 50 goals this year for, for that team. And, you know, he played two games with the uh, Ontario rain last year. Um, could see him get signed at the end of the, or brought up at the end of the season, depending on how well uh, Kingston does. Uh, in the playoffs and how well the rain do, we might see him on the, in the playoffs, depending on all that stuff shakes up. Yeah. And again, like I said, for him, and he was a fifth round pick, right? Uh, that's stocks up for him. So that's, that's, boy, what a, that could be a draft that turns the whole organization. <laughs> you look at the, the names you just rattled off there. That's they're all, they're all trending upwards right now. And that's what you like to see out of a draft class is just nothing but positive progression. Cause I think yeah. that's what fans want to see. You know, it's like, yeah, you want them on your club um, at, at all times, but there's been some times with draft picks that you're like, the, the stock hasn't really matched what we've seen so far. And, or they just hasn't been, they haven't been consistent. Right. Or you get worried because they're injured or, you know, cause like you saw the skill from Velarde, but he was injured. So that gave worrisome. You yeah. saw the skill from Turcotte, but he was injured or, or whatever have you, but then you saw it in the world juniors there. And so it's nice to see all those players. And then, you know, I'm not going to throw away Ben Meehan. Um, he had a decent year for the USHL, but he was the another fifth round pick there. So um, a lot of good picks, a lot of good drafts back to back. I mean, 2019, you have Turcotte, Bjornfoot, Kaliev, Bagamo, Perik, and Jordan Spence are our first, you know, first four rounds. It seems like all those guys are training upward. Kim Nusayanen, um was playing well in Kalpa before he got injured. And uh, Andre Lee might set the record for the tallest individual to yeah. ever wear yeah. skates. <laughs> yeah, they, they've done well. There's listen. There's a reason the Kings uh, system is has been among 
the tops in the league by many uh, scouts and experts over the last few years. They've, they've, they, the, you've just rattled off the 1920 drafts that have been fantastic. So, uh, but you know, like we thought, we've talked about in the show and the other guys at Hockey Royalty, we got to start to see this now, right? We've got to start to see these guys really pushing and it's, it's the time is now to take the next kind of step in this rebuild. Yeah, with uh, over half our contracts being UFAs or RFAs uh, being available to uh, or next year, I mean, there's going to be a lot of roster moving. I don't think we're going to see, um, you know, AA back on the team. I don't think we see Wagner back on the team, or he already has a contract. But I don't think we see Lazat back on the team or anything like that. So it's going to be interesting to to see what goes on and how that progresses. But because yep. you and I are covering the rain, we get to see all those guys first. Uh, make their way over it and see it in some games uh, in, uh, for our club. So, like you said, the first preseason game is going to be Thursday. Um, if you guys haven't already, buy AHL TV. It's awesome to see both. Um, they have packages for one team, all the teams. So, if you want to see the rain and then maybe your local team, you can buy a package for all of it. Uh, if you just want to see the rain and, and see the young prospects, then you can buy that. You can buy home-only games, away-only packages, or both home and away. Uh, just that they have it very customizable and and then uh, you know uh, it's not it's not too expensive for the season. I think it's gonna like a dollar a game, which is not bad at all. <clears throat> yeah, I mean we are just we've done so much in talking and writing and whatever about the roster and the log jam and the bodies and how's it all gonna shake out and here we are on October second and it's obviously still not yet done, but we're getting there. We're very very close. <laughs> we're, we're almost there to finally just having some actual regular season game action that we can digest and talk about and see how things shake out. Yeah. It's always fun talking hockey with you, Joe, but I'd much rather be talking about hockey that we're watching, you know, <laughs> actual it's games all speculation. and you know, actual, actual games. And we're going to see who, what prospects are going to really take the biggest step forwards, which prospects are going to be brought up by the end of the season and maybe help the Kings make a push. Um, you know, which prospects are going to maybe help the rain win, um, you know, and, and get into the playoffs. It's going to be interesting to see who makes the biggest jumps uh, from year to year. Obviously, we've seen, you know, Fagamo make a big jump. Byfield, like you said, is getting better game by game. Turcotte uh, looked like a man possessed in the, in the rookie tournament. And so it's just going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out. I'm very excited at the way we've been drafting. Um, as the Athletic has pointed out, we've, we are – the highest or one of the highest and having, um, you know, per our, our draft picks play more games than any other team. So we're picking the right guys to get to our roster. And now it's time to see those high end jewels like Quentin Byfield, Kalia, Turcotte, like start making real yep. impacts for our team uh, starting this season and into and into the future. And it's a unique scenario too. We've with, with what's gone on the last couple of years, just kind of worldwide with the pandemic and everything's been, kind of that's thrown a wrench in everything um, from player development and these guys getting the chance to play appropriately and, and and all that stuff so it's it's been a unique time for everybody but hopefully we're you know knock on wood uh, able to to have a normal season uh, this year and then moving forward that that these guys can just do what they've got to do from a progression standpoint yeah so it'll be nice and we're going to start to see some play for uh, players you know progress into the the you know successful pick category like we say over 99 games is a good success point over 200 games is a success point both mikey anderson and gabriel velarde should play over the 100 game mark this year um you know halfway through the season so that'll be nice to see as uh as a player that had back problems you know get that 
you know, quote unquote, successful mark of a, of a draft pick by playing a certain amount of games in the National Hockey League. So good to see them. He's been playing a lot better, I thought, too. Um, you know, we'll see if he, like we mentioned, you know, quells out that stuff in the dot. But that's for a future episode, because if I don't stop us, we ain't going to stop and it'll be a two hour <laughs> episode. So, uh, yeah, check it out. Uh, HockeyRoyalty.com. We put out uh, articles every single day. Uh, at hockey underscore royalty or at royalty underscore pod uh, for all the the podcasts and everything like that. Everybody, we are um, like ramping up the YouTube coverage as well. So go uh, like, subscribe, hit that bell for uh, to see when you can see our faces while we talk if you want. Uh, and then we're going to be starting some live shows as well, maybe some post game, uh, maybe just some Q and A with the fans. So we're getting that started as well. So a lot of things are ramping up with the season. And a lot of things are wrapping, uh, ramping up with hockey royalty. Joe, always a pleasure. I don't want to keep you away from your family this weekend. So I hope you have a good rest of your weekend, my man. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Randy. You too. All right. Always a pleasure. And as, and as always, go Kings go. Uh-huh.